0: Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. So on February the 17th, which is actually Monday week, uh, we we are embarking on our first Three week, 21 day Daniel fast. So people get a bit nervous when they hear this 21 days. I'm going to be like a skinny Biafferent in in 21 days. And so maybe uh, some of you have never fasted before. I want to put your minds at ease today. There's many people I know because of medical reasons, they can't actually abstain from food. So we're not asking you to go against doctor's orders. We're not asking you to attempt something dangerous uh, for your body for long term. We know that there's all sorts of medical conditions that forbid uh, the complete abstination of food. But a Daniel Fast is basically uh, fasting meat, bread, sweets, and desserts. Uh, That's a real short summary of the whole thing. So there is a reaction in your body at the uh, loss of sugar and sweet things uh, that your body craves for. And so you will notice something going on if you embark upon the Daniel fast, but you won't go hungry, you'll be a little hungry. Uh, for the normal diet that you have. Uh, So there will be an abstaining of sorts. In other words, a denying of self when you go on the Daniel fast. Some of you will want to do a proper fast. When I say a proper fast, I mean a full fast, which is the uh, abstaining of all food and just taking on board uh, liquid. Um, but we want to make it very, very clear we are not encouraging you if you have a medical condition uh, to embark upon this fast, but we are very excited about what God is going to accomplish during this time as a church. Uh, We believe, as I mentioned in my first message on prayer and fasting last week, when we talked about the basis of all prayer and fasting is prayer, and not just any prayer, but faith-fueled prayer. The woman who was the, who was the widow who met with the unjust judge uh, talked uh, in that little bit in Luke 18, and at the end of it, uh, as she continued to harass the judge until the judge got sick of her, uh, Jesus said at the end of that passage, he said, yet when I return, my second coming, am I going to find faith on the earth? And so we're talking about prayer that's fueled by faith, because prayer that's not fueled by faith is dead prayer. And prayer that's fueled by faith is that, that says that I'm crying out to the Lord because God has placed faith within my heart that He's hearing my prayer and that He's going to move and respond in response to me reaching out to Him. That's the kind of prayer that we're talking about today. And then we add on top of that, fasting. And so I want to talk today. My message is, is fasting for Christians today? And you might say, well, that's a funny title. Well, it's not really, because did you know that nearly every world religion, the Brahmins, the high caste Hindus, have extreme fasting in their religion. The Muslims fast once month of the year at Ramadan. We know that even now uh, in in, uh, nutrition that there is now a new thing called intermittent fasting. Some of you might have heard of that, where you, where you don't have anything to eat and within a 16-hour window, and then for eight hours, then you eat within that window. Intermittent fasting for your own personal health and nutrition. So the question is not an irrelevant question. Is fasting for Christians today? Because every world religion has fasting. And is it for Christian today? I thought when Jesus came, fasting finished, that that's an Old Testament thing. I didn't understand that fasting. I thought we were supposed to be celebrating the kingdom of God is here. Jesus has come. Yay, no more fasting. <laughs> Praise God. He's done it all. He's accomplished it all. Everything's been done at the cross. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Why do I have to fast? They're good questions. Praise God. So I want to um, answer that question today. And I just want to, I also want to take note today is for this purpose is that when you abstain from food, there's a little demon, not called gremlin, but ghrelin. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone that is in your stomach. It's actually what makes your stomach growl when you haven't fed it. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it operates about every three to four hours have you ever noticed that you don't have to wonder if you're ever going to get hungry? <laughs> you don't have to go looking for hunger. It will come to you. It will come to you. It will come to you naturally. So this is what happens when you start going on a fast. Right. I'm going to do, do something I've never done before. I'm going to fast for a whole day. Three meals. And then I'm going to break my fast. Breakfast was okay. I missed breakfast. Breakfast. Some of you don't even have breakfast, so that's no issue for you. But then about 11.30, 12 p.m., Gremlin, the gremlin, starts growling. He says, feed me, feed me, feed me. And this little bell goes off inside of you that says, I want food. I want food. Give me food. And so... What happens is, is that when you say, no, you are not going to have any food, what happens is, is that sometimes you have an emotional low. (laughs) Because you're so used to filling your body with something at that point in your day, that emotionally you start going flat. And then this little voice whispers, what's the point anyway? Anyway. Those bag of chips look so nice right now. I'm sure the Lord wouldn't mind if I just have that little, not the mini bag of chips, not the big one, the mini bag of chips. And before long, you've convinced yourself and you've torn that packet open and you've ripped into that bag of chips. I need to feel pretty deflated afterwards because you couldn't hold on long enough. So we need to understand that when you fast and you deprive your body, there'll be emotional lows. But I want to tell you, if you hang in there, there's some incredible spiritual highs that you'll also get where you'll feel closer to God than you've ever been before when you enter into the true spirit of fasting. And so um, I want... Uh, to answer this question today of is fasting relevant for us in the 21st century as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus. And I want to answer it by quoting Jesus Christ and what I believe are the most, the single most important words that have ever been written about fasting. And Jesus gave them. And you may have read these words many times before and wondered what they meant. Well, I want to, by the Holy Spirit today, I'm attempting to give an answer to you so that you can have a solid foundation in your life and you'll never, ever have to answer that question again. Should I fast as a Christian? Or should I abstain from my regular dietary intake as a Christian? Is fasting for me right now, living in 2020? So here we go. Matthew 9 verse 14. The disciples of John, that's the Baptist, came to Jesus saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? You've got to remember, we're talking about thousand-year traditions and Jewish custom, where people have regularly entered into, there was a national fast every year, the Day of Atonement. You've got to realize that all through the Old Testament, there's 23 stories in the Old Testament where the whole nation at times entered into the depriving of their bodies of food. And so the disciples who followed John the Baptist, who was very popular, over 100,000 people, historians say at the day, came out to hear John preach in the desert. He was a very popular leader. He fasted. In fact, he had a camel suit, and he ate locusts and honey. He was a little bit weird. He was a little bit out there, but he fasted regularly, and so did all of John's followers fast. So they're coming and they're looking at Jesus and disciples and saying, Look at this party crew. They're just feasting all the time. But we, we are the ones who fast, we are the spiritual SAS and elite. Of our day, But we don't get it. We understand there's something special about Jesus, but how come you guys never fast? So we really need to nail the answer to this question and see what Jesus had to say about it. Fair enough. Verse 15. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come When the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. He carries on. And you'll be thinking, what has this got to do with fasting? Because we're about to expound this this morning. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth, same conversation, on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Let's look at Jesus' reply, how come you don't fast, and we're fasting? Here's his answer. Jesus replied and said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? So his answer tells us two things. Number one, fasting was associated with mourning. Jesus makes that very, very clear. And if you look at the Old Testament examples, a fast was a humbling of yourself and a mourning of yourself for a specific purpose. Most of those purposes were because the nation had come to wreck and ruin because of their disobedience. They'd been overcome by their enemies, or there was a sin problem, a sin issue within the person's life that they needed to get help from. And so they would enter into uh, a time of humility And let's face it, fasting and abstaining from food is a humility act. It is an act of humbling yourself before God. And so it's a mourning thing. And so Jesus was saying, okay, I understand that you're expecting us to mourn. But he said, number two, in response to this, he said, how can the the attendance of the bride be in mourning when the bridegroom is present? Can you imagine being invited to a wedding where everybody is just so somber and don't clap, don't, don't smile, don't, you know, it's a, well, a, a wedding is a time of celebration. It's a happy time. And so Jesus is saying this, this, this is his answer to them. He's saying this, you guys... And even if you look back in the history of the Old Testament, many times their fasts were directed at wanting to unveil the promises of the promised Messiah. So they would be fasting for that day that the Messiah would come. They would be fasting for the many prophecies that had been spoken by prophets over a 1,500-year period in the Old Testament, citing that a Messiah was going to come and deliver Israel out of bondage and He would be their new King. And so Jesus answers it secondly by saying, the King has come. The bridegroom of heaven is here. Your husband is present. Woohoo! I am here. This is a new day. This is a new era. This is not a time for mourning. This is a time for celebrating. This is a new era. A new era has begun on earth. The Messiah has come. The bridegroom of heaven is here. Hallelujah. This is not a time to fast. This is a time to party. This is a time to celebrate. This is a time where, this is a joyful time because all of the prophets who long to see that day of the bridegroom of heaven coming, he's here. Whew. Wow. So uh, let's answer this. Let's keep continuing thinking of the question so when will the disciples of Jesus fast? Verse 15, but the days will come, hello, when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Well, when is that time? That time is now. That time is post the death of Jesus Christ, the burial of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because it talks about the bridegroom being taken away. When was he taken away? At the ascension. Jesus, they saw him go. The disciples, they saw him leave the earth. And literally the Bible says he was lifted up and he disappeared into the heavens. He was taken away from them. And from that time, and now followers of the bridegroom of heaven will fast then they will fast when he has been taken away who so yes fasting is for us but i just want you to hang on a minute because he didn't finish there this is all one conversation so he carries on and he says but no one puts a patch Of unshrunk cloth, putting something new onto an old garment. Lest the patch pulls away from the garment and a worse tear results. Nor do men put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the wineskins burst and the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are Preserved. Lord help me to just right now just to be able to unveil what you want to say in this passage to us today. He talks about two things. Number one, he talks about patching up garments. And the second one, he talks about pouring new wine into new wineskins. You see, I want you to get this today because if you get this today the whole perspective on fasting could change for your life. Jesus was saying to the, to the audience that day, he was saying this. He was saying the type of fasting, and he was saying, yes, it's not a no to fasting. Did you get that? Yes, it's not a no to fasting, but it's a new fasting that I want you to enter into. I don't want you to be coming out of an old paradigm and applying everything you've known about fasting in your history to the type of fasting I'm talking to you about. This is a new era. This is a new day. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is here. Now from this point on, your fasting is going to be completely different. I'm not going to put a new patch on your old garments. In other words, the type of fasting that I'm calling you to do is not going to be like the old traditional Jewish custom of fasting. It's, it's new wine that's going to require a new wineskin. Are, we, are you with me so far, church? So he was talking about something brand new. So if we can find out what he was referring to as the old garments, he's not putting a new piece of cloth on an old garment, on an old tradition. He's not going to pour new wine into an old skin because it's going to burst and it's going to be wasted. Now he's saying, I want this new paradigm of fasting from this point on, I want it to be completely different and I want your thinking to change about the way that you've thought about fasting. You see, Jesus told a story in Luke 18 and he talked about two men. One was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. And he talked about what they do when they come into the temple. And the tax collector, who, of course, was well known as a sinner because he was ripping off uh, his own people. Everybody knew that they were extortionists, they were bad people. And and Jesus gives the story and he says, he he says, the Pharisee comes in and this is the exact words that he says. God, I thank thee that I am not like other people. (laughs) Swindlers, unjust adulterous. I don't know why I put on an English accent when I go into this thing. (laughs) Sorry for all those that are English this morning. Or even like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week. (laughs) I pay tithes of all that I get. And if we read on in the story... He cites the tax collector who's beating his chest and on his knees and saying, woe unto me, for I am a sinner and I need the mercy and the grace of God within my life. One came into the temple justifying himself, telling God how holy and righteous he was. The other one knew he was a sinner who needed saving and needed the mercy of grace within his life. One was honest, one was dishonest. One was authentic, one was inauthentic. And what Jesus is pointing to when he talks about the old garments and the old traditions of fasting, oh, I fast twice a week. (laughs) Shine, shine. I'm so holy. I'm so righteous. He was saying the way that you've thought about fasting, the way that you've thought that, that if you can fast, you can hold God to ransom because of your self-control and your self-discipline and your self-righteousness. This is how you've approached me. And the Old Testament days gone by, but that approach ain't gonna work anymore. It's a new day. It's a new era. The kingdom of God is here right now. There's a new way of fasting that is built upon kingdom realities, new covenant realities of what Christ has accomplished upon the cross. So are we the fastest Christians or are we not? Yes, we are. But it's a new way of fasting. It's a new day. It's a new wine that God is building within us in terms of our fasting today. You see, and this is the difference. When we come as followers of Jesus to our fasting, this is what we're doing. We're saying, I now have a new set of spiritual realities. I'm no longer coming to God to boast about how righteous I am or to display my self-righteousness by the power that I have to deny my body of food. That's the old garment, the old wine. He was saying, that's not the way that you come before me anymore. He's saying, now when you come, this is what I want you to do. I want you to come on the understanding of who Christ has already made you to be. I want you to come on the understanding of who lives within you right now. That all the treasures and all the the inheritance of those who are in Christ and your identity in Him, I want that to be the starting point of your fast. And I want your fast to be one of going deeper and understanding the revelation of the New Testament and New Covenant realities that have been given to you in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You don't have to fast to get God's favour. You already have it because He's given it to you in Christ. Jesus has won it all. He's imparted it to you already. You don't have to try and come and bend God's arm by abstaining from a few meals of food. No, you need to come. And when you're abstaining from food, you're saying, God, I want to go deeper. I want to understand the revelations of the kingdom. I want to understand what Jesus has already done for me. And I want to go deep, 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 that you would in this time that I set aside to seek your face that the impartation of revelation in this fast would be granted to me hallelujah Christ in me is the hope of glory amen so our fasting today is one of both contentment and discontentment contentment in that I'm a, I'm a spiritual millionaire I am a spiritual millionaire today all of, the, all of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Christ. I am in Christ, therefore I have access to the wonders and the glories of eternity that rest in the Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. I am a spiritual millionaire today. I come in my fast based off the contentment of what Jesus has. Already, you see, you're not coming crawling to God, asking that you would be this, that, and the next thing. He's already done it for you. What you're doing is you're coming to discover what He's done. You're coming to find out the deeper understanding of what He's done. In your life, what's the discontentment side? The discontentment side is this: there's this, there's this uh, piece of auxiliary that we all have. It's called the sinful nature, and the sinful nature, also known as the flesh, loves to get in the way of the things of God. Love's to get in the way. We had a prophecy this morning about making decisions. Oh, Chris talked about making decisions in the communion this morning. May, making good decisions that lead to life. And so when we come to understand today that all of this has been placed within, within me, but as long as I'm in this body, it's going to get old. Day by day, it's going to get wrinklier and wrinklier. Sorry to tell you all of this. You can try the Botox and all that sort of stuff uh, within your life. But at the end of the day, you are not going to get any younger. You are getting older by the minute. Sorry to tell you all of this. Uh, And so your your days are numbered, is what the Bible tells us. Your days are numbered. We want to count every day for Christ. But within those days, whilst you're still living in this, there's a gravitational pull on your body. And on your flesh, on the sinful nature. And this is what Paul talked about. The things that I wish I didn't do, I want to do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing this this gravitational pull of the flesh. And then he talks in Romans 8, but I thank God that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit and not pursue the flesh. And so this is where the discontentment side comes in. You know, let's face it, guys, when you're faced with that Cadbury Milky Bar chocolate bar, when you buy the king size under a, a, a surge of... Bad inspiration and bad choice, uh, because it's on special at the end of the aisle in the supermarket. Amen. Is anybody feeling me? Is anybody feeling me this morning? All right. And so it ends up in your fridge. It ends up in your fridge, and uh, and so you have you have a lovely meal. And at the end of the night, you 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 remind. Oh, did you get that? Did you get that Milky Bar bar, honey? Is it still in the fridge? Yes. So, you see, nobody wants to be the first one to open the bar because then you're implicated by guilt and shame to open the first, you know, unwrap it, you know, once you've unwrapped it. And so you say, okay, I'm just going to have one row. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, honey, can we share a row together? <laughs> <laughs> So we break and you hear the snap of that row. But it just tastes so good. That <laughs> and and neck minute. <laughs> There's a snap, crackle, pop as row after row after row and snapped off that bar. <laughs> I was talking about discontentment. (laughs) Have you ever tried having a prayer time after you've eaten a king-size bar of milky bar chocolate? I feel so spiritual now that I've had my king-size bar of chocolate. (laughs) There will be a discontent in your spirit because you lack the self-control to say no. And as a result of that, you're now going to feel the effects of those calories coming into your system, and uh, there's no way to extract them. And uh, you will feel the, uh, the results of that decision. And so now when we fast, we understand this, that there are certain issues within our life that we all struggle with. And God wants to use the power of fasting for us to discover our inheritance in Christ that has already been given to us. And then through a fast, bring a powerful application of a revelation where we can break free from the chains that so easily bind us and we can start getting traction and mileage in our walk for Jesus Christ. Can somebody say, hallelujah, this morning? Praise God. So... I put it like this, the new fasting that Jesus is talking about is a fasting of feasting on faith. It's a fasting of feasting on faith. How are the just supposed to live? By faith. The just shall live by faith. Everything we have from God is accessed through faith. So as you enter a time of self-denial, There is faith within you this morning. To every believer, a measure of faith has been given. There is faith within your life this morning for you to feast on that faith while you deny your body from regular food intake. And as you feast upon that faith, God will begin to pour into your life the answers that you need, the answers that you want for your family, for your kids, for your workplace, for your generation, for your church, for the expansion of the kingdom of God. That will come as a result of you accessing and feasting on faith during your fast. It's not supposed to be this, you know, Jesus said, he said, when you fast, Matthew 6, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites who disfigure themselves. Oh, can you tell? I'm poorly. I'm fasting. I haven't washed my face this morning because I've deprived myself from food. (laughs) Because that's what they used to do. They used to stand on the street corners with long prayers, disfigured, so everybody would know that they were fasting. Jesus said, "Right, okay, that's what you're doing it for. You have your reward. It's called the applause of man, but there's no reward from your heavenly Father." Shh. When you fast, understand this: there is a reward. From your heavenly Father waiting for you. And we're going to talk about a little more about this next week as we, because we're going to finish this up in just a moment. We're going to talk a little bit more about the reward of the Father next week. And we're going to talk about the power of fasting and what it can accomplish. Because one thing that we understand is this in all of modern day church history, every move of God and revival has been birthed through prayer and fasting. There is something that God is wanting us as a church to access that that could change the course of history in our nation. Who knows? There's a Billy Graham in this audience this morning. Who knows? There's a great healing ministry yet to be birthed in this. But more than that, more than that, can I say this? It's not about the shining stars and the sky rockets of ministry that go up in a blaze of glory and then they disappear. Today, friends, is a new prophetic day called the Day of the Saints. It's the day of every believer accessing that which Christ has won on your behalf and us all entering in together to this wonderful new day that God has birthed for us today. Just get a little bit excited. Praise God. So the old way of fasting, the old wine says this, by my efforts of self-denial, I will gain a greater standing with God and deserve greater answers to prayer. That's the old Jewish custom. That's the old wine, the old garment. Jesus says, I don't want you to put a new piece of cloth on that. It's going to tear and it's going to break. You can't incorporate the new that I'm giving now into that old way of thinking. It's a new day. So the new way the new wine of fasting says, By my efforts of self-denial, I can never be justified by my own works before God because Jesus has already done it for for me. But now through fasting, I can begin to focus on the new covenant realities and treasures that Jesus has won on my behalf, and I can begin to access them. Because as you fast, you are zoning out the normal things. And let me tell you, it can take a little bit of effort. Because when you first start fasting, all you see is opportunities to eat. <laughs> you got to put your blinkers on and zone out the opportunities to eat. And when others are eating, that's when you're seeking God. That's when you're praying. Your meal time, you put it aside. You go into your closet and you begin to pray to your Father who is in secret, who will reward you openly. Praise God. So fasting is a weapon of faith. I'll finish with this couple of points from the Apostle Paul. He said this in 1 Corinthians 9, I buffet my body and I make it my slave. Who's in charge? Not the body. Paul's in charge. The body is no longer dictating to him what it can and can't do. He's dictating to the body by buffeting the body, self-denial and self-control. I buffet my body to make it my slave. lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. So what he was saying is this. I'm not going to let any thread. I liken it to this. Some of us are walking around with a long fuse tied to a big explosive in the back of your pocket. You've got explosives on board that have the potential to derail your marriage, derail your Christian life, derail your intimacy with God. And the devil will not take the first opportunity to light that fuse to blow you to smithereens. You know what he'll do? He'll wait until he can do the most damage when you have influence. When you have hierarchy and position, and then he will light the fuse and blow not only you to smithereens, but blow everybody else in your vicinity to smithereens. How many times you know of pastors who have fallen, and you need to pray for your pastors, pastors who have fallen over the years and people have never graced the door of a church again because of the hypocritical behaviour of that leader. And so what I'm saying here is that Paul was saying, I'm not going to become one of those pastors because I'm going to make sure my body knows who's the boss. I'm going to make sure my body knows who's in charge here and who's in control. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to buffet my body and I'm going to make sure my body knows that Jesus Christ is in the house and he is the new boss in town in this place. You see... He understood that, that the desires of our flesh are both deceitful and delightful. Deceitful and delightful. Ephesians 4.22, the old self is being corrupted in accordance with the desires of deceit. Wow. What does deceit do? It lures us into the subtleties of buying into something that we know is not right before the throne room of God. Hallelujah. And before long it chokes the spiritual hunger for God. When we're fasting we're saying we're saying yeah I'm hungry but I'm more hungry for God. I'm more hungry for God to establish his work in my life. Therefore I'm asking you for help. Paul and I'll finish with this verse he says in 1 Corinthians 6:12. I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. That's not him saying, I've got the willpower, but that's him making a covenant with God saying, with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in me, I'm not going to allow, allow my life to be degraded. I'm not going to join myself to harlotry. I'm not going to allow the, 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 uh, the linking together of that which is between believer and unbeliever. I'm going to make a defining and distinguishing line, and I'm not going to allow any deceitful or desirous behavior to become my master. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Paul said, I count all things lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. We're, li- we're willing to suffer the loss of our normal appetite in order to gain a greater internal knowledge and experience of Jesus Christ within our lives.